it's maybe not so difficult to get one sensational shot. A feast of films this Christmas on ITV. Classic adventure with Raiders. And from hero to superhero, flying into the rescue, it's the Man of Steel, Superman 2. I believe this is your floor. While out in deepest space, the Empire strikes back. And just dropping in, Crocodile Dundee. Oh, excuse me. Christmas films on ITV. You're listening to the One Sensational Shot Network. This is the Evening Glass with Fletcher Walton and Luke Littleboy. Now, we reached back to the future in Luke's A to Z. And Luke said, hey, Fletch, how about we do Back to the Future? But that wasn't enough for me. I found an alternative <laughs> well, approach. Well, uh, and I have to agree that th- this is a good way to go because it's seasonal and uh, it's festive. So I, I really like the topic that you've uh, chosen for today. We will, rest assured, we will revisit Back to the Future proper uh, come the new year, won't we? But uh, yeah. I do like the festive twist you've put on it this week. Because it's 30 years since its premiere on BBC One. So this is this is what we've done. <laughs> and this is it. This is it. I love the comma. On BBC One. <laughs> We're the only people in the whole of the United Kingdom counting that anniversary year. run feature film for Christmas on BBC One. Steven Spielberg's Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox embarks on a journey through time. You're telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Get a grip on yourself. It's all a dream. Apparently your mother is amorously infatuated with you instead of your father. Isn't he a dreamboat? Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. That's this afternoon at ten past three. Family Entertainment on BBC One. I've always been nostalgic about not Christmas television, French and Saunders, more common wise, uh, wrong trousers maybe, but a lot of it really passes me by, especially these days, and I've never been much for the costume adaptations, the regular Dickens... Great Expectations, David Copperfield, Bleak House, whichever they're doing. I remember you did you did one year did talk to me about Great Expectations. You said it wasn't everything you'd hoped for. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I, what I've done to an extent is disavowed me of a certain level of that nostalgia and made me realise what a lot of people do if they examine their nostalgia. Oh, I was just young. Yeah. So what what we've done for, for this issue is using a very useful website, ukchristmastv.weebly.com. <laughs> which I I found a couple of years ago when I was off my own back researching some of this stuff. Um, I've looked back since 1980 and looked back at different years just to to first to find out when I picked up on it, the the first Christmas year that I could remember, because the Christmas programming of films was important to me. Mm. And I'd I'd allowed... uh, I'd allowed myself to develop rose-tinted spectacles around it. And I'd always thought that... It was around 96 that it was, and we'll get to that in a moment, but it was around 96 that it became less important because I'd already seen its the big Christmas Day premiere. And then I yeah. thought that at the end of the 90s, it was November 97, we got Sky. And so by the following Christmas, but definitely by Christmas 99, not only was I older and wiser, but I'd seen all of the films that were going to premiere. But I had in, yeah, in my yeah. mind that it was essentially that it was... So much better back in the day and so much more exciting. But going back, using this website, we've detailed what was on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day in 88, 89, 90, 95, 2000. And I tell you what, the first thing I noticed, I don't know if you saw this too, Luke, but the lag is unbelievable. And it was unbelievable. <laughs> it, it's, it's unbelievable now. It was unbelievable at the turn of the century. It was unbelievable mm. Before Sky entered the game, which was around '89, I think eight, yeah. Christmas '89 was their first. Uh, they weren't even still. They weren't called Sky then. It was B Sky B and just the Movie Channel. I think mm. that that was their first Christmas in the game. But even right, before yeah. then, reading through all this, you get the feeling that well, firstly, that you and I consume cinema through television in a way that no one else does, especially the programmers. This it's as though film is to them an absolute afterthought. 
<laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I do know what you mean. The lag was the first thing that struck me, for sure. Um, so, I mean, to take to take 1994 example and we'll go into year by year in a bit but yeah. 1990 the the big premiere on BBC One Christmas Day was E.T. which of course <laughs> is from 1982 so that's eight years now that, yeah. that got me going down another rabbit hole because I wondered how long that was actually out in theatres because let's not forget the 80s uh, a VHS had come out a couple of years later and it would be very expensive you know you, you didn't just buy loads of VHSs so yeah. um, E.T. I think was actually in theatres uh, drum roll for over a year Good so th- there's that and, and because the VHS market was not what it is today in terms of home video I, things were on re-release and I, I couldn't actually find any details about it for the UK but I'm sure E.T. must have gone on a re-release later in the 80s at some point you know yeah. um, I, I'm sure people were popping back there when I was a kid going to the cinema uh, when I was four, five, six, I do remember the Disney films being re-released. I remember Peter Pan coming out again in about ninety-one or something. So, yeah. you know, this this was a big deal, and and everyone was quite protective of. Um, uh, I think a lot of people, th- a lot of studios thought if they opened the floodgates to home video, and TV, the TV market, suddenly people wouldn't go to their very lucrative re-releases anymore. So I think I think that was a big factor throughout the. 80s and and what you see is through the 90s the windows do get shorter don't they at at the very least they're still colossal just by the the understanding of um once you get sky uh it was theater to sky within 18 months even 20 years ago and to go back to a time when which was the year that you picked 1990 yeah yeah, it was just the first one that struck me. Uh, it's not my favourite year. We can come on to that in a bit. But 1990 was the first one that struck me, just because ET was 82. Yeah. So, so that's eight eight years. The premiere's there. The best part of a decade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the Spielbergs are, are scarcely believable. It's scarcely credible. Um, as though it was felt that there was no need to screen these films. And uh, I wasn't, you know, 1990, I was six, seven years old. We rent. I think we started renting films from the library about 18 months later the first ones we ever picked up were ghostbusters 2 and back to the future part 3 which was mm-hmm. probably late 91 i suppose but 1990 december 22nd 8 p.m bbc1 inner space premieres 1987 so that's minimum 24 months since its uk release and it applied to more adult-oriented films as well. The following day, The Big Easy from 1986 is premiering. And you start to wonder, will there be any audience for a film that's, that's been out of theatres for three years and on home video for two years at least? And then I'd we'll... say yes. I'd, I'd say yes. Because I hope so. I think we recorded it was co- that one. <laughs> well, yeah, it was cost prohibitive to own VHS. And I, I remember a, a guy in our village, his parents were film buffs. And they had loads of purchased VHS. Like it was the first time in my entire life I had seen a bookcase full of purchased VHS. Mm. And and that to me was a revelation. We had to cut out the coupons on the Kingsmill bread so I could get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. Do you know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah, this was, yeah. So it, it, I mean, I all of my VHS were recorded off the telly. Yeah. Apart from a few key ones. Uh, in fact, the Kingsmill offer, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And they were, those were the two films I chose for my Kingsmill bread <laughs> offer. <laughs> now, that, that Robin Hood cover, that uh, so there was... And I don't even like Hook, but I remember Hook because it had a green case. And the Robin Hood cover was the Kevin Reynolds rip-off of Sam Raimi, uh, Arrow's POV. Brilliant flaming arrow shot. I really... I think Prince... In fact, I'm glad you've mentioned Prince of Thieves because I think it's... The quintessential Christmas movie. Now, not Christmas thing, you know, it's not Scrooge or Die Hard, but I think it's possibly, in, in terms of entertainment, five out of five. I'd watch that every yeah. Christmas. I mean, I'd, I'd watch it then and I'd watch it now. The, Me too. The, the cast is top to bottom fantastic. I've always said you can defend Kevin Costner's decision not to go with an accent by looking at Christian Slater's attempt at an accent. Core blimey, Gav! <laughs> and it's, it's pretty poor. I mean, he gets the flavour of it, but it makes much more sense for Kevin Costner to realise after a day's shooting, like like Burt Reynolds, for instance, on Boogie Nights, turned up to set with an Irish accent. He did that for precisely mm. one day. No one mentioned it. There wasn't any sheepish behaviour, but he returned for the next day's shooting and it had gone and there was a sigh of relief. And you get the yeah. feeling that maybe Costner... Tried it out for a few hours and said, 
no, I'm not, no, because I'll just screw it up. No, this, no, no, not at all. But that's that's a, a brilliant. We didn't. I didn't find when that premiered, but uh, it was probably two thousand and three by the looks of it. By the looks of these <laughs> schedules. Christmas movie magic on BBC One. Everything I do, I do it for you. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Christmas Day, six forty-five. Looking through the rest, so in nineteen nineties Christmas premieres. Uh, mainly pictures from 87 and 86. Some of the art house pictures, Power Catsy, which was produced by Coppola, that saw its premiere in 1990 on BBC Two. That came out in 88. And I'll, I'll just, I'll grab one if I can find an example. Sometimes films are utterly lost. Uh, let me see if I can... 1985. Uh, Christmas Day premiere, ITV. The Black Hole from 1979. Six oh, yeah. years. Wow. <laughs> Six years. And uh, increasingly <sighs> irrelevant. That was a, a yeah. film Disney rushed into production off the back of Star Wars. Any script yeah. we got with space in, quick, yeah. make it. And uh, it's famously, you know, not a great picture. Um, so, yeah, but I imagine six years later, by the mid-80s, that's looking increasingly less relevant. Yeah, yeah. But then when was Empire's... Empire's right Jedi's premiere was 1989. Yeah. Empire's premiere was 1988. So that's that's a full 8 years. And you're right mm. about the the cost of VHS it was I can't be certain of the date but it was well past 1985 maybe as late as 87 or 88 when sell-throughs um uh became a convention. Up until then the rental cost 60 or 50 pounds. And that's why you rented it, because rental shops bought them for that much and rented them out. And very few people were willing to spend that much. And it was around yeah. 1987, 88, that, because there's, an, there's an, an intermediary period where, uh, and we need to get one of my mates off the Facebook group, the video club, to talk about this in more detail. Rentals came in sell-through sized boxes. And then for a brief period, sell-throughs essentially had the same quality as ex-rentals. Because if you imagine a rental has to be uh, somewhat more resilient and robust because of its so ex explain explain to me a sell through what's a sell through sell through is most tapes that you'd have so your Jurassic Park bought in presumably ninety four would be a sell through yeah it was bought bought with a an, it was a bundle at ASDA it came with a Jurassic Park pin badge a Jurassic Park T shirt that was adult size and I slept in throughout the nineties <laughs> yes and. Um, and, I, and then I think just the VHS. I think that was the bundle. Looking back on it, that was very humble. Uh, these days, you want a bundle to really, really yeah. sing. That was quite a humble thing, really, just to have a T-shirt and a little pin badge. Yeah, the kind of bundle I get when the Cribs release a new album has the album on vinyl, a test pressing of the album on vinyl, a cassette <laughs> version, a CD version, a DVD, a badge. I think one had a piece of acetate, on which the album was recorded by Steve Albini, an original piece of acetate. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I can't play it. Yeah, a vial I, of Ross sure. Jarman's blood. But it was, <laughs> it, yeah, it was a humble bundle, as you say. Um, and what, what were my the sell-throughs I had? I was like you. Um, I was gifted. Gifted. We say that now. I was given. A gift was made to me of Bill and Ted's <laughs> Excellent Adventure. That was probably Christmas '92 because my dad and I had seen Bogus Journey at the cinema. So either we saw it at the pictures and I got it a few months later at Christmas or we had a full year. So I had that and we had a VHS of Ghost knocking about the house for a while. I can't recall why we had that. It's not a, it's not a bad film, though, actually. It's credible. It's not. And that had its premiere in... Oh, I had it. Oh, it's gone now. I can't remember. 92 or 93, I think, was the Ghost premiere. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. And we had... Jurassic Park, and then the next one I got was the Star Wars box set. That I was the 95 THX remastered edition, the last time the uh, original Unaltered Trilogy was available commercially. But I didn't, I didn't have that one. I had from in the special edition, I was excited about that, and I got the gold edition, because it was gold, and I thought, oh, silver, silver doesn't look as good as gold. Silver's widescreen. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I, don't, I haven't watched it yet. What I know, though, what I, what I know is that it makes a farty sound. Did yours make that farty sound? Yeah, my Star Wars Special Edition made a farty sound, definitely. <laughs> the, the, like when you were putting the box on and off. Yeah, you're yeah. right. 
Yeah. So that gave did. me more amusement. I think there's there's one of those three tapes that I've never watched because I knew Jedi so well by then. I started watching Jedi whenever it's we just said whenever the premiere was will have been the first time we recorded it and I saw it. And, and what did... was the point of watching the pan and scan special edition version when you couldn't see Dengar in the in the <laughs> extreme left shot of uh, Jabba's palace? Yeah, yeah. Boxing Day highlights on ITV. At 7, Nicky Campbell presents a celebrity wheel of fortune, while at 7.30, try Christmas in drag. Hey, stop that, I'm ticklish. <laughs> at 8, he's collared. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Shelley's having trouble keeping up the Christmas spirit at 8.30, but at 9, Danny DeVito's celebrating. I've been abducted by Huey and Dewey. Don't duck out. Spend Boxing Day with us here on ITV. Now, may the Star Wars Force still be with you for the return of the Jedi. In investigating this and researching it, I realised that it didn't change. I changed. We got Sky. I saw more films at the pictures, but the lag stayed the same. The lag was 24 to 36 months for ages and ages. And I looked at um, 2005 on the BBC, and a Toy Story 2 premiered in 2005. That's six years. Yeah, because Toy Story 2, uh, yeah, it was 99, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Can't, I can't, that's almost unbelievable. I feel maybe BBC got it after ITV, I'm not sure. But I think that, I think Toy Story 2's premiere was then. And The Grinch, meanwhile, was premiering on ITV. That was 2000, so that's five years later. But I maintain to you, Fletch, that it wasn't just you that changed. I, I, I think we all did. I think VHS got cheaper. I think that more of us got Sky. We got yeah. Sky in 99. So uh, we got Sky 99. It had just gone digital. I think it went digital in about 98. And it was called Sky Digital. That was the, if you remember, that was the brand for a while. And so we got that in 99. So by that point, I was less interested in what the premiere was. And as as you said earlier on, in 96, that was the first year for me I'd ever seen the big premiere. 65 million years of evolution separated man from the dinosaurs. Until now. What species is this? It's a Velociraptor. Sam Neill. The bread raptors. Ellie, boot up the dogs! Jeff Goldblum. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. And Laura Dern. I think we're back in business. Star in the Steven Spielberg blockbuster. Jurassic Park, Christmas Day at 6.30 on BBC One. Fairly alarmed here. Because that was Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic Park was on BBC One. The Radio Times had a massive takeover. So it was still a big deal. You know, there was this huge takeover in, in, in the Radio Times. They aired the making of Jurassic Park... Was it the same day or the day before with James Earl Jones presenting it? It's oh, now on the DVD. James Earl Jones presented. Oh, not bad. Yeah. It's really good. It's an hour-long documentary, and it's more in-depth than most of those throwaway sort of PR-driven documentaries. Um, especially because, don't forget, you know that CG stuff was cutting edge. I always remember um, uh, the footage of you see the guys at ILM on an old '90s computer uh, with the tracking uh, Sam Neill's. Uh, eye line and the kids eye line as they're running through the field so they oh, could guess yeah. where to put the gallimimus yeah it's, it was guesswork they were just sort of tracking it almost manually by hand on on the computer and i remember my dad who's an engineer don't forget by trade he's no doofus but he was looking at that and i remember he, he watched it and went wow that's really incredible how they do that <laughs> he was really really impressed yeah. um so in 96 i'd already watched jurassic park to death because i've been watching it on vhs for two years um but i was more interested in the making of uh which like i say which was then if not the day before the same the same day I, i'm pretty sure the making of was on christmas eve and then jurassic park was on christmas day yeah that's right um, that's right um, so that that was still a big deal, but li- like I say, I think by this point, slowly but surely, the VHS were becoming cheaper. More of us were slowly starting to get Sky and getting those premieres earlier. But it, for a while, 
it was how you consumed films because we would get the Radio Times all pristine and, you know, I would eagerly flip through it trying to find what films to uh, to watch and, and my dad would help and he would set the VHS because um, as far as I was concerned, that required some kind of mathematics degree to, to, yeah. to learn how to set the VHS recorder. And we had a really old one from the 80s that uh, had the top... Uh, that it wasn't. It wasn't um, a slot. It was the whole top opened up, and you then still, you put, you put had it the, top the top loader. Still, wow. Yeah, we had the top loader. Yeah, but it was VHS um, and not Betamax. It was VHS. Yeah, huh. and uh, it used to have. In fact, it even had. There was no remote for it because the remote was had a lead. Yeah, if you I remember that, the remote yeah. had a lead yeah. in the front, and uh, it that had bust. So you had to get up off the sofa and. Uh, manipulate it and there was really big uh <laughs> it's, it's like in Seinfeld when Elaine uh, falls for the uh, VHS guy and uh, she has the he sends her the the, the VHS um button <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and she puts it around her necklace and Jerry comments on how look how far that button goes back it looks like a tooth yeah. <laughs> that was kind of uh, that was those ones they were so clunky uh, it definitely looked like something from you know 60s era Star Trek or something it, yeah. it was uh it was impressive I think it was my dad's mothers in the 80s just and then should should died i guess 90 91 so then then we just inherited it and we had that until it finally conked out probably in about 98 or something you know that was uh so anyway anyway my point being that my dad would go would go through the radio times with me and and pick all the things uh to record and i was eagerly awaiting the likes of uh, super mario brothers which premiered in 96 so that was the same year as uh, jurassic park yeah. um so that was three years so yeah those are two films then jurassic park and super mario brothers both 1993 films which came uh, premiered in 96 and that was a big deal uh to me and last action hero must have been around that time because it competed with those two we mustn't forget about john mctiernan's shane black opus last action hero but in my research i didn't find when it was um i don't want to sound like too much of a sued and an expert but it does feel more like a new year's day film last action hero it, it, do, it does feel like well. more like, yeah. essentially you know that well this is another thing that you find when you look back and you see that so for instance beverly hills cop took its premiere in 1988 bbc one 820 it will have been edited to... <laughs> I'm trying to think of an alternative to shit there. What did they say? <laughs> edited... Oh, on Back to the... Actually, on Back to the Future, our copy recorded not on its premiere, but a little bit later, I think, has... Uh, that was the copy from which you learned and that your your reference point for years and years, possibly until the DVD release, maybe an entire 10 years. And so it wasn't until... I bothered to record, I think Back to the Future would have been on Sky again, say 2000. They you know, got the rights to the trilogy and began repeating them. And it wasn't until then I realised that Doc doesn't actually say, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious stuff. <laughs> and I, you know, but, but this is it. All of those pictures, Back to the Future, 10 past 3. So that requires editing. And Beverly Hills Cop, can you imagine what they had to do? To make it suitable yeah. for pre-Watershed. What was the point of, yeah. of doing that? So it's a different film. I don't <laughs> understand it. What do they do? Do they literally ADR stuff and, and have people say fudge? and, and I, don't, I don't know. The methods they pr- used were methods that they still used during the 90s. And it was still, it's, I think it's still relevant to American audiences. Because they continue to show. When I was over there and my dad and I turned to TBS Superstation. Con Air is on in the middle of the day with little of the violence cut. You know, maybe taking it down to a 15 rating from an 18. The swearing's all gone. There's still, you know, as Eminem says, a motherfucker with an Uzi. But yeah, the swearing's gone. I don't know how they even explain at, at half past three in the afternoon. How can you have Danny Trejo's character, Johnny Twenty Three, is a rapist in the yeah, middle of the yeah. day? But uh, yeah, it, it, it's boggling. But um, with Beverly Hills Cop and Aliens, Total Recall, every Arnie picture from the eighties. Uh, sometimes on set they recorded different lines or, or alternate takes. Sometimes yeah. they recorded the alternate take in the ADR loop, and sometimes they just had somebody completely random do it. <laughs> so it becomes yeah, a I, re- bit... I remember the Terminator. They'd they'd have. I remember they just cut when she says "You're terminated, fucker." They they just yeah. they just cut. You're oh. terminated. Luke, perfect example. I didn't know the full line until I was about nineteen, I think. So growing up with the line "You're terminated," I preferred that line. I suppose when I heard the alternative, <laughs> I thought eh, it's a little bit. There's more panache to the brevity of just "You're terminated." 
I used to call the old man funny names. Iron Butt. Boner. Once I even called him asshole. Iron Butt. Bonehead. Once I even called him airhead. You just fucked with the wrong guy. Got your fucking mind. Faint on the wrong guy. You're out of your mind. I'm glad we had these experiences. The fun of, even as a cineast, the fun of receiving a, a, an artwork, a, a project which is incomplete. And it taking years to find it complete. Goonies is another example in which there's a scene where Corey Feldman's character, uh, who can speak Spanish, has been asked by Mary Ellen Trainer's mum, sorry, Mary Ellen Trainer's mother character, to speak with the maid, um, Lupe Ontiveros. He takes her upstairs and he speaks Spanish and the subtitles come up with, uh, this is where we keep the drugs. Marijuana in the top drawer, cocaine in the second drawer. And heroin at the bottom always separate the hard drugs. And and so the way that network television dealt with that was there are some cuts which have alternate subtitles and some cuts which don't subtitle at all. They, their solution was, well, just take it off. Unless Alex Baker's watching, we'll be fine. This is the attic. Mr. Walsh doesn't like anybody up here, ever. I guess that's why it's always open. This is my supply closet. You'll find everything you need. Brooms, dustpans, insect spray. I would really like the house clean when they tear it down. Clark, can you translate? Si no hace buen trabajo. Será encerrada aquí con las cucarachas por dos semanas sin agua y sin comida. Okay, Rosie? Okay? You're going to be very happy here. Come on, Clark, we've got much more to do. You're so fluent in life. <laughs> he takes her up to the attic, that American convention of having a, a pull string and the, the ladder comes down and then yeah, says yeah, to yeah, it, yeah, yeah, which I, I've never, I've never seen. I've never seen that in my entire life. <laughs> I, and I always assumed it was a bit like the trope of having the, uh, the, uh, the bed in the wall of, a, mm. of an apartment. I always assumed that my first place uh, when yeah. I left home would probably have a bed in the wall. You know, like in Muppets, the great Muppet caper, when they're, yeah. they're all in yeah. the, <laughs> living in the wall. They Misinformed. Mean, they didn't mean to lie to us, yeah, but we didn't get what we were promised. I thought that moving to London, I thought my life would be like an Everything But The Girl video or Wonderland by Winterbottom. And I got here <laughs> eight years too late and... Uh, <laughs> Everyone was on their phone, I suppose. <laughs> I think it's fair to be nostalgic about those things. I like that. I like that you can know a film inside out for 10 years and then 2002 Goonies Special Edition comes out on DVD. Yeah, I'll pick that up. And you take it in. Whoa, hold What, they swear? It's, it's not the same example, but it's only with the Blu-ray release of the Indiana Jones movies uh, have I finally seen the American cut of Temple of Doom. When you yeah. actually see see the torture scene, he rips the heart out, and he, in in the UK you never actually see the hand go into the sort of prosthetic and take the prop heart out, and and it just cuts. For, I think in the UK it just cut from uh, Molaram going up to the guy, putting his hand out, and then and then the next thing you knew he was holding something in his hand that was on fire, and you kind of knew it was the heart. And yeah. I think I knew it was the heart because of the poster. If anything else, I think he's standing <laughs> there with it with it on the poster in the the Drew Struzan poster. Um, so that was the first time, but it's not quite the same because that wasn't cut for TV. That was famously cut for theaters in the UK, wasn't it? Yeah. This was off the back of Mary Whitehouse, and we should change the rating systems and god knows what else and then it all got a bit blurry into I, I know i know the two are disconnected but it all got a bit blurry into the whole um parental advisory in the mid 80s you know the, yeah. the uh what was al gore's wife called i can't remember tipper. um she let sorry tipper named after a truck her nickname was tipper tipper that was it tipper gore I don't know how it does sound wrong doesn't it it sounds made <laughs> up yeah she led the charge against uh you know like the prince record and uh I mean, God yeah. knows what else. You know, I'm, I'm not Aerosmith, yeah. I don't know. We're, we're having those same arguments 30, 33 years later. And once again, surprisingly, it's not the religious right, the evangelicals that are making these arguments. It is people we consider to be ostensibly liberal and Democrats who are saying, hold on, this is too risque. We can't have this kind of joke. That's, in, that's offensive. 
And I always, as a kid in the 90s, when things felt a little bit more liberal than the 80s, and it's probably on 20-year cycles in which, like, yeah, the, the 70s was kind of such a wasteland. You could do what you liked, as my father always said. London was still part derelict, part bombed out, and there was freedom and liberation in that. And I think in the 90s, certain enough gains had been made that culture was ready to once again... Uh, push boundaries with jokes. Bill Hicks is a good example. We opened the 90s with Bill Hicks and he was risque. Well, risque is not the word. He was controversial and, and uh, close to the knuckle. Yeah. And so growing up in the 90s and then finding out, wait a minute, so the people on our side were trying to um, censor the dead Kennedys and public enemy for, yeah, for words yeah. they said. Not, not because, they, not because they'd, they'd murdered a man, not because they were uh, out robbing, but because they said gun. Weird. We should move on. Uh, ooh, the 90s ooh. were a bit more edgy and extreme with an X. We did get Super <laughs> Mario Brothers in... <laughs> we did get Super Mario Brothers in 1993, lest we forget. Let's, let, um, let's go back to 96. Let's look at those premieres, because this is... this is um, There were years before that I remember, but I specifically recall... A tough and sometimes violent action movie for Christmas Eve, now on BBC One. Sylvester Stallone is on the edge in Cliffhanger. December 24th, cliffhanger. So I, I researched. Yes! 9pm BBC One. Now, I didn't get to watch it because my, my curfew as a kid was before 10. I think I watched, had that on in the background for 20 to 30 minutes, went up to bed, and I never slept on Christmas Eve night. It no, felt I like I was awake until 2am. It was probably only midnight, but I swear I got less than six hours sleep each time. I'd be up at 6.05. It was so flipping exciting, because, and I'll give you a little insight into how it was for me. This is the dopest thing. In fact, the the presents I got are kind of like the way the theatrical release interacts with Terrestrial Premiere. Because I got toys second-hand, usually from the nice couple, the Thorns, sorry, the nice family, the Thorns, next door, who once their kids had played with the Star Wars and the Mask and the Masters of the Universe figures, gave them to my mum for a fiver to offload and so I'd get those three or four years after they were fashionable but it meant that some of my Christmases I'd receive 40 He-Man figures it also means that it also means that you're laughing because five quid that return on investment there is is, is, is insane we fell out with a family because they gave us two bin bags of Star Wars there's parts of them that I didn't even realize were missing until I started googling it a couple of years ago (laughs) And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we got yeah. two bin bags of that for maybe a tenner. And then... Uh, and the family came knocking on the door one day. Yeah, yeah. Literally, three years later. Um, and she asked for it back. She literally asked for it back. And, bearing in mind, we'd given them... I think we'd given them to borrow a ZX Spectrum power pack. We never got that back. And yet, as soon as she's... You know, it gets to 1996 and the woman realises, holy shit, I gave away 300... Pe- no, minimum... It's more like minimum minimum three hundred quid, yeah. No, it's more like a thousand. Because honestly, I've so I've three yak faces. You know this. You've seen the picture. I've three yeah. yak faces. It was Canada and European release only. I think um, boxed. That one goes for twenty years ago. It went for five hundred. These days, probably three hundred. Even out of its box is one hundred and fifty. And I've got that one three times. So yeah. that's that's one thing. <laughs> if we're still amateurs at this in eight years' time, I might be convinced to sell two of my three yak faces. We, we might have to resort to that. Yeah, that was disappointing. Can't quite recall how we got into that, but let's get back to Cliffhanger. So I'd gone to bed. Well, did you well, watch Cliffhanger? Well, this, did you get to see yes, it? Yes, I did. Oh, I, did. So, I still haven't so, seen it all the way through. What's really funny is I watched it on this Christmas Eve in 1996, and just the other day, it, this must have been six weeks ago, my dad said to me, I can't remember how it came up, but he said, Oh, Luke, do you remember that Christmas Eve? We all we all watched Cliffhanger together. That was good, yeah. wasn't it? That's a, that's a good film. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. And, and the fact that we've now uncovered that it was Christmas 96, uh, the, the, same, the same day I would have then watched The Making of Jurassic Park earlier on and my dad would have commented about the Gallimimus and you know, how yeah. cool that was. Uh, man, this... This is nostal- this is nostalgia I think in a in a good way you know mm. this this means something this is this is f- gathering round the family hearth you know shared experiences together this isn't just uh oh yeah I like uh, I like Star Wars and Star Trek or whatever this is this is real nostalgia this is what what they invented the word for yeah it's it's the way that I interact with football 
I go to Fulham and we win or we lose or we draw and we get relegated or we have an, an unremarkable season. But it's about the people I'm with. It's not about the football. The football's ephemeral. Johnny Vaughan always says, you can't let your day at the football ruin your day at the football. It can't be about the results. It can't be about those two hours sat in the stadium. And it's the same with Christmas. Christmas to me, uh, in the 90s, and you know, it might be the same if I was 12 years old now, but what it meant to me between the ages of 10 and 15 was, as you've said, we didn't get Radio Times, but we had the Daily Mail's Weekend magazine. Circling <laughs> that bastard, going through it line by line, and a really good example of that is I checked out the 2000 premieres, um, but also... Here's a wonderful day on Christmas Eve 2000, BBC Two. Now, I didn't record all of these. I only recorded It's a Wonderful Life. But we had Black Narcissus, Our Man Flint, It's a Wonderful Life, Escape from Alcatraz, The Fury, and then James Wales' Frankenstein. All on the same oh. channel between about 11am and 2am the following day. Uh, and... We also and ITV had... com- competes with Jingle All The Way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure if that was a premiere, but I, I have a feeling it was. And then the following day, and I still have this tape, I recorded, I remember staying up to record Betsy's Wedding, a Molly Ringwald picture with, I think, Joe Pesci. Unremarkable, I've still only seen it the one time. That was on Christmas Day night at 1.10am, so it will have been the case that my long-suffering mother sat up with me while I waited to press record, <laughs> then went to bed, because I... <laughs> By that point, I didn't like to set the video. It's plausible, though, that she'd said, Get your bed, shut the bed! <laughs> and, you know, reluctantly, at 11.10, I'd go, Oh, mother! And you did actually set the video. But on um, that, 2000 was... Uh, it, might be, it might be the last time when we had, as you've said, when we gathered around the television with Titanic. That was the big premiere at 5.45pm. And there was probably a cultural conversation about seeing Kate Winslet's nipples... I don't know if they showed it or not because it's it's so tastefully done that you feel yeah. like the BBC could say, listen, it comes, it's going to be around eight o'clock when you see them, maybe half past seven. Can we get an exemption here? It's art. It is art. He's an artist. He's trying yeah. to like one of his French girls. So, but that and if not the if not the nipple, I wonder if if they had to censor the the live nipples. Did they have to censor the the charcoal nipples? <laughs> you know that, that you then see full frontal. Uh, illustration, don't you? Full frontal illustration. That should be one of the things they put on the back of the VHS. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on, I also recorded Brothers McMullen. Let's, uh, you know what? Let's skip around. There was. A, Let's skip. There was a here. Oh yeah, I think this is the one. Christmas 1989 on ITV. It seemed that they, that the premieres weren't outstanding. Although I remember us recording Clockwise, which I recently. Bought again on X Rental. That's a nice film. Um, do you know much about Clockwise? No, not at all. No. Uh, John Cleese is a head teacher of a a secondary modern, as they were called. Right. A comprehensive, and he's the first ever state school head teacher to be elected chair of a very pompous old um, curate society. The rest of them are all posh school head teachers and teachers. He's, right. uh, and as a, it's never shown, but as a youth, he was terribly impunctual, and now everything runs to the clock. It, he's he lives in the Midlands somewhere, and all that he has to do is go on a train mid-morning, in order to attend a conference at the University of Norwich. <laughs> right, um, brilliant. So this is a, an eighties film, and it doesn't work out for him. But I thought it's had a place in my heart, possibly, and I think entirely because we recorded it Christmas '89. And I must have watched it on tape a couple of times later because it's it's a, a good old-fashioned English farce with barely any... You know, there's no nudity, there's barely any swearing. Uh, it's the kind of farce that has um, adorable old grannies shuffling about. And, and did, did, he, did he write it as well? Or? I don't think he did. I think he revised the script, but the script was sufficient for him as he took it. And it, it was well-received at the time. But that... I wonder if it was something that he perfected a bit more with... You know, fish called Wonder, and you know, obviously, yeah, obviously, sowed those scenes with forty towers. Uh, sowed those seeds, I should say, with forty towers. The whole real uh, open doors, closing doors, fast sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fish called Wonder was big. Now that's one I, I noted down as well. Which year was that? Ninety one. Now, now we're really getting into nineteen ninety one's premieres. Uh, we like we recorded all of those. Um, we got Empire, although it wasn't the premiere. Crocodile Dundee two was on Christmas Day on ITV. Uh, Police Academy 4 the following day you had and I remember watching this in um, in our new extension 
American Tale, Bigfoot and the Hendersons, In the Evening, Fish Called Wanda. Feed yeah. Martin finds his journey home plagued by planes, trains, automobiles and John Candy. Oh, that feels better. And schoolboy Jim Grant is plunged into wartime adventure in Steven Spielberg's Empire of the Sun. I surrender. Also on the menu, a fish called Wanda. What do the English usually eat with chips to make them more interesting? Wait a moment! It's fish! Isn't it? Now, Gremlins was on, and Gremlins was on ITV 1020. And I remember staying up with my mother terribly late to watch Gremlins, and I'm not sure if it was 91 or if it was later, but I've got a feeling it might have been. And that, that brings back memories too. My mum and I had a really wonderful time watching Airplane for the first time as well. And I ate a lot of... Um, they're not actually Junior Mints. It's the uh, <laughs> the Safeway knockoff version of the Junior oh, Mint yeah. from yeah. Seinfeld. But we ate like 30 of those each while watching Airplane for the first time in 1994, I think. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a good memory. They are they're, they're golden times, and I don't think it's um, I don't think it's asinine that they're focused around television and around watching films on television. I'm impressed that we can, especially for you, you're even younger than me, but we can remember 25, almost 30 years ago to what we were doing at a particular time. 91, like you said, 91 was a big year. That was maybe the biggest for me. I mean, I was five years old. One, two, three. Four, well, four. Yeah, I'd have been four years old. And uh, I remember I remember Tim Burton's Batman. I remember that premiere. Yeah. I remember that being a big deal. Enjoy the magic of Christmas on BBC One as Prince Eddie Murphy is searching for a bride. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. I hope you don't mind me coming over and sitting down. But I've been watching you all evening, and I want to tear you apart. And your friend, too. Eddie Murphy is coming to America tonight at 9.30 on BBC One. Now on one, we're about to enter the twilight zone of Gotham City. We present the first network television appearance of Jack Nicholson as the Joker and Michael Keaton as Batman. I went down a rabbit hole of, um, I mean, God bless the people that record this stuff on their VHS players at the time. Yeah. Because uh, they, they've uploaded all the idents and the lead-ins with the BBC uh, announcer and the, the BBC stings the Christmassy BBC stings, which was always a big sign of Christmas to me when I knew Christmas was coming when the BBC changed all of their idents and stings to be Christmas yeah, themed. Yeah. This one for ninety ninety one, hopefully we can slide it in. Um and it's it's not it's visual so it won't work that well. But when they announced Batman, the, the BBC one globe changed into the bat signal. That that's wow. how much bigger that they animated it to to they changed their own branding to match Tim Burton's Batman. That's how big a deal it was. And we can tell they... I would imagine they must have paid more because we're talking about a 1991 premiere of a film that was in cinemas in 1989. We've already said the lag time was often up to three years. So 30 to 36 months. And so that's a lag of only maybe 24. And the other films that were getting premiered in 91, Scrooged, 1988... No Way Out, 87, Coming to America, 88, the rest were 87, 88, yeah, I, I get the feeling they may have stumped up, they saw value there that they hadn't previously. You say, remember what we were doing, I, I crept downstairs, my dad was recording it live as he watched it, Yeah. Uh, to, to, I guess he was vetting it and then when he, whether he would show it to me the next day, Yeah. and I crept downstairs and uh, which I used to do on occasion, if I if I couldn't sleep or I didn't want to sleep, I'd creep downstairs, in the hope, the vain hope that my parents would let me stay up a bit longer. And they did. Yeah. They uh, they let me stay up and watch Batman. I guess they thought it's Batman. How bad can it be? Whether or not they were wincing through any scenes, because it you know it is an adult film. I think in the UK it was originally a fifteen. Whether there were any cuts, maybe at six pm, maybe that when we we had that one recorded, I don't remember there being any cuts. I'm familiar with both the the DVD and and that one, 
But ne- nevertheless, this is another, going back to censorship, this is something I've always long thought that uh, you, you don't have to be too careful with kids because um, so long as it's not like overly sexualized, so long as they're not watching porn or something, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, stuff goes over their head, innuendo, things like that. I think when I was watching Tim Burton's Batman on my dad's lap in 91, four or five years old, I thought when's the Joker coming? You know, when's the Joker coming back? You know, where, where, yeah. where's Batman going to get the Joker? Yeah. And that's, as a kid, that's the level you enjoy it on more than anything else. And, um, but that, though, that was really exciting for me, that one. Uh, it's only, and then it's only as you get older that you realize, oh, that's what they meant. That's, that's the, that's what that gag means. But in 91, they're just kick, or they're just kicking off with things like, uh, I mean, it was 92, the animated series came out, which was kind of a spin off of, off of that. But Batman was definitely on a renaissance, uh, for a, a four or five year old kid, uh, because of Tim Burton's Batman a few years earlier. So to, to be watching it on the TV and obviously not having any cultural awareness of it as well. So mm. just like what the, they made a movie of this just it was that that was mind-blowing because i didn't know i had no i had no reference point that it had been on in theaters two or three years before you know yeah i had a bit of a fascination with jerry hall's character the model that it it's not shown but clearly joker disfigures her in order to make her more like him and she wears a porcelain mask and then later on they toss off a line that she's thrown uh, out of a window yeah yeah that yeah (laughs) yeah that she's taken her own life yeah, I think like when I was eight, nine, ten, I thought, oh, that's. Do you ever see shots of her? And you know what? You, I think you do see more. You do see shots of her in the uncut version because Batman's a great example of a film that I saw cut as a child and then didn't return to until I, I may have been twenty three, twenty four, because I recall watching it this century and finding the action sequences pedestrian, poorly directed, poorly edited. It really made me question Tim Burton. It's not that there weren't good action directors working at that time. John McTiernan, and obviously Catherine Bigelow, James Cameron. And Hollywood hadn't yet looked... It was on the edge of looking to Ringo Lam and John Woo. Woo was still making pictures in Hong Kong at the time. The fight sequences in Batman are ponderous. This Christmas, take time to hang out with a few friends. People do have guests for Christmas, don't they? Be wild and adventurous. Let's free Willie. Make an entrance that'll turn heads. It's, it's a dinosaur. Don't forget your loved ones. You are not my husband. And avoid partying with the wrong crowd. If we run, they find us. But if you're out on a limb... And that's border dash. Overindulge on a monster collection of movies. This Christmas on BBC One. I've overdone it. 1996 was, uh, this will have been a right bastard for you. One of 96's premieres was Mask of the Phantasm, but it was at the exact same time as the making of Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, we had Mask <laughs> of the Phantasm recorded, so... Uh, oh. <laughs> um, I mean, whether it was that exact year or not, I don't know. Um, I tell you what, I didn't have Making of Jurassic Park recorded, so it's entirely possible that we watched the Making of Jurassic Park live, Yeah. and I didn't see that again until 2000, when it was a bonus feature on the DVD. And that was one of the things I was most excited about getting the DVD for. One was the fact I would get to rewatch the making of Jurassic Park, which I remembered from uh, years previous. And the other thing was there was a teaser trailer for Jurassic Park 3. And um, <laughs> disappointment, I don't think, has ever measured so great in my life as when I saw the teaser trailer to Jurassic Park 3, which was just some sound effects and then the logo, which I'd obviously seen. Uh, so that was that was not a great great deal uh, interest, of interest, but yeah, we must have been watching Making of Jurassic Park live and then Mask the Phantasm, which I still maintain is possibly the best Batman film made. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess that I can't, I can't say that in the face of the Nolan films, can I? But it's up until recently, I guess, up until the Nolan pictures, it was the best Batman film made and in in some senses you could argue it is because it puts Bruce Wayne at the centre of it and more more than a lot of the other ones do which the theatrical um, I mean that did come out in theatres but the live action stuff tends to deal more with the bad guys doesn't it and the fact they're more his rogues gallery is far more interesting than he is whereas that that one actually puts Bruce Wayne at the centre of it um, but yeah if you haven't seen Mask of the Phantasm go and check it out I would urge you to do it, it it's an animated Batman film it's it's up there I think it's fair to argue that it's the best Batman film because what Nolan does with it is quite unlike 
the Batman milieu. It takes it even further into the detective milieu than Bob Kane ever did and its origins ever did. And especially with the Dark Knight, it's, you know, it's just heat. In, in fact, there's elements of Widows, which is set in Chicago. I caught that a couple of weeks ago. And it's scored by Hans Zimmer. And moments where you think, is he literally recycling this from the Dark Knight score? But it's, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the Dark Knight especially is very much more like Michael Mann's heat, but using licensed characters. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that the most, the best Batman film is uh, is Mask of the Phantasm. Although maybe yeah, yeah. maybe Batman Forever and its soundtrack runs it close. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Batman Forever and its soundtrack. But Mask of the Phantasm, it's got this great art. The, the, the animated series, they took so many th- aspects of the Tim Burton aesthetic. They mm. took the Art Deco 1930s look. But it, it, it's such a curious thing because people have... It's definitely set in the modern era. Batman has modern gadgets, but the bad guys have Tommy guns. Everyone wears a hat. The, yeah. the, the all the buildings are Art Deco. The 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 cars, the police driver from the nineteen thirties. It's just a fascinating. The fact they managed to get all that made and, and done in that way, I just I just find wonderful. You know, I I could lose myself in that world. Um, well, not forever, but for <laughs> for the for the length of an animated film, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. It, during the research, one thing I found that I would like to see a return to, um, if we look at 1985. Stop that. At nine, John Gilgood and Dudley Moore star in Arthur. I've taken the liberty of anticipating your condition. I brought you orange juice, coffee, and aspirins. Or do you need to throw up? Arthur is the feature film at nine, and this is Christmas Eve on ITV. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the big double issue of TV Times. It has all the Christmas and New Year shows you want to see on ITV and Channel 4. More than 50 films, big star comedy, drama, music, entertainment for all the family. And play Winning Lines, the TV Times game that could win you a share in £50,000 worth of prizes. Christmas couldn't be Christmas without the big double issue of TV Times. So much more than TV Times in this week's Arthur on Christmas Eve on ITV. Released, oh man! <laughs> released 1981. You know about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it Go to and revisit a previous episode, our, yeah. our episode on Arthur. Um, so that was released 81, and the premiere was 85. So the lag there is four years since UK release, and it was clear at that time that television was not was not taking seriously uh, film premieres around Christmas. I mean, it had the prestige picture of Gandhi on the mm. 29th. But other than that, it was uh, it was kind of a, a bit of a wasteland. However, during the same period on BBC Two, you got premieres of Tess and the French Lieutenant's Woman, but also an Orson Welles season. So Kane, Touch of Evil, Journey into Fear, Macbeth, Lady from Shanghai, Chimes at Midnight. Wow. That's the sort of thing I want to see return. Maybe it'd have to be on BBC Four. Maybe it happens more than I'm aware of. And it could be this Christmas that brings me back into it, because for the first time in... Essentially, for the first time this century, I'll be without Sky. And there was another good example. Give me a sec. Uh, yeah, 1980 was the first year that I looked at. And on BBC Two over the Christmas period, you've got some cracking pictures. Midnight Cowboy, Godfather and Nashville. You wouldn't get those in a in a 10-day period on BBC no. ITV. You wouldn't get them across terrestrial now you might not even manage to get something of that caliber across film four in a 10-day period those are honestly three of the best pictures of new hollywood and then Mm. alongside that yes a walter matow season of the fortune cookie pete and tilly a new leaf with elaine may front page secret life of an american wife then i noticed the following year this is why i was confused there was a jack lemon season which included save the tiger (laughs) in the apartment and so it's it's odd to think wow and some of these were some of these were taking their premiere. I mentioned this to Luke just before we came on air, but I I, I struggle to understand how pictures from the fifties and sixties were taking their premiere in the eighties as if television had been invented in nineteen seventy four. So we talk about well, the, I just don't the mean, lag was it just not the, the done thing? I I, I don't know. I, I need to research I'm looking it more. At eight. I'm looking at 1981, the year you're currently on, and uh, I can see Doctor No is uh, is is Christmas Day ITV. Doctor No obviously is the first James Bond movie from '62. Was that a, a premiere, to your knowledge, or or not? I don't think that was a premiere. 
Right, I'm not, right. I'm not certain it was. Uh, Muppet Movie was, so the lag on that is only a couple of years, which again suggests that for the right film, uh, deals must have been done with distributors. And also 1981 is early enough that it's, it, obviously it's, it's not pre-rental, but it's at the cusp. Rental started in earnest. Rental started about 78, but in earnest about 81, 82. Blade Runner was big, I recall. <laughs> My parents didn't like the film. My mum always gave it a bad rap. In the middle of the 90s and at the end of the 90s, when I was saying, yeah, I need to see the director's cut of Blade Runner, she'd say, what, what, that dark film? Why do you want to watch that? My dad would say, I think we got a pirate. It's not meant to be as dark as that. Then I watched it and it, it is pretty bloody dark. <laughs> it is pretty dark, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so my- uh, uh, the, the best example of 1981, Gone with the Wind, <laughs> I checked. It, it as To the best of my knowledge, using uh, everything available to me, it premiered in 1981, a film from 1939. <laughs> yeah. Is that the record? 42 years. <laughs> I'm sure that that is a good example of, not to sound like a crack record, but I'm sure Gone with the Wind would have been re-released every once a decade, every decade. Yeah, yeah. I reckon that, and that was getting bums on seats. I reckon that's the reason you'd all get together as a family and go to the theatre, you know? That would yeah, become a cross-generational yeah. thing. Um you know, in the 50s, you'd still be going to the theatre to watch that movie. I- I'm sure of it. 1981's New Year's Day premiere, 2001 by Kubrick from 68. 13 years without a showing on television. It, it beggars belief. Um, um, and the, I need to do Muppet, a lot of research. <laughs> the Muppet movie is a good example. You say that that was the premiere in 1981. Obviously, the film itself is 1979. One of the things I look forward to at Christmas was seeing... Muppet movies so the original yeah. three the, the Muppet trilogy as I have it in my head which is really the the one Jim Henson w- w- was a part of the Muppet movie uh, Great Caper Great Muppet Caper and Muppets Take Manhattan those three I, I would see them at Christmas and that meant Christmas to me was was a mm. Muppet feature film that I would actually get to see a Muppet feature film again um, that was a big deal I always remember then my granddad had Sky he was a very early adopter of Sky my granddad was, um, he was an architect and he, he was always quite well to do. Like we, my, my dad at that point uh, w- was working on the shop floor. We, like I said, we had an old v- top load of VHS from the 80s. We, we were hanging in there. But my granddad always had, seemed to have the latest stuff. And he had Sky in the very early 90s. Uh, so back when the dish was absolutely massive and you could pick up loads of German stations and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and, and I remember going to... Uh, go around my granddad's and, and the remote was very complex you had to have a big manual that had all of the channel numbers on uh so there was always three or four digit every channel number was three or four digits long he had by his um uh, armchair a big thick manual yeah. which was looked really dull which a big spreadsheet in essence of just <laughs> all of the channels and you had to plug in you know what, what number what four digit number it was to go to the yeah. sky channel and i remember going to what I mean, maybe it was a Disney Channel. I mean, they didn't own them in the 90s, but they did distribute them, didn't they? So Bruno yeah. Vista distributed them. So maybe it was on a Disney Channel. And I remember watching uh, Muppets Take Manhattan at my granddad's house early one Saturday morning, just like in the spring. And that, to me, was the most exotic feeling I'd <laughs> ever had in my entire life because <laughs> I just thought you had to wait a whole year to watch another Muppet movie again. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the, the memories I have of Christmas is... Uh, as a time to record literally 20 films in four days. And Christmas 1998 was one in which BBC Two repeated a glut of Simpsons episodes from the third season and the fourth season. Home of the Heretic, Homer's Triple Bypass, the second season episode, Old Money, notable because its credits credit every character played by the voice actors in that episode. Unusually, I think it's the only time they ever did it. But it was done so at the same time as the first screening of a dozen Rex the Runt episodes. I remember that Christmas because the beginnings of my Simpsons recordings have Rex the Runt and the ends of them have the beginning of Rex the Runt. I tell you what, 
we didn't do Back to the Future, but I I do feel this has been a time time machine trip. Um, so I've been quite ill this week and under the weather, so I've lost my I've lost my words. But yeah, I'm feeling old. This has made me feel old, not in a bad way. Um, I think sometimes I think. We don't really live in the future. We don't really live in the future. We haven't progressed that much. You know, look how far we've come. It's nothing. It's nowhere. And then I look at what we were doing in Christmas 81 and I realise, hey, you know what? We've made some progress. I can watch <laughs> yeah. the Muppet movie anytime I want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need to do this. We may need to do this in, in the new year. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Get three bottles in before we even press record. This was one of the best ways, I think, to celebrate Christmas. We could have done top ten Christmas films, uh, whatever, but I think we've actually taken... We've gone through the time tunnel, and uh, we've, come, we've literally gone back in time to uh, to starting Christmas 81 through to... What was the latest we did? 2000. And uh, you know what? This year will be a similar year for me, because we've moved house. It's a new build house. BT are now telling me I'm not going to have internet until March 2019. Jesus. So I've got, I've got for the first time in what feels like an eternity, I have just regular TV, and that's that's what I have. Um, I'm actually researching like recording devices that I can use just oh. with regular TV, so I can just go through the dial and uh, queue up what I want to record over the coming weeks. This so feels this is, like a is 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 this surely this is a a cosmic joke a kind of christmas carol where to learn the errors of your ways you're you're to live as i did you're to see the 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 virtue and the value of vhs tapes you'll be scrabbling around for recordable dvds or even yeah, like, taking your old stereo and holding it to the television i can get the audio of it come on ready <laughs> hit record <laughs> Yeah, I'll just listen to it on my iPhone as I'm walking to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. You must report back to us. That The word I think of is cosy. That sounds secluded and cosy, cut off, but in the best way. I hope you can enjoy that. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, oh. it is good. Um, it doesn't help that I don't have any 4G signal either, so I can't really talk to people. I'm upstairs at the highest point of the house, even to record this podcast. So yeah. uh, that's the only downside. The TV, you know what? I haven't truly missed uh having digital catch-up that kind of thing um a little bit but um but but mo- mostly it's been quite good just to uh relish in uh in in, in live tv and getting back to uh, trying to sit down at the appropriate time you haven't lapsed into catatonia so well done i think <laughs> I, I thought it would be difficult for me as well when i moved and that it, all it took was Six weeks. We moved at the end of February, beginning of March. And I it, that was my cold turkey period where for the first time in forever and ever I was out. I was not only without multi-channel television, but was without television. I wondered how I'd react. You know what? I started watching all this stuff I've accumulated over the last 20 years and I never felt better. In fact, we're having people over on Sunday for a few tapes and a couple of laser discs. And we're doing the same on the 17th, I think it'll be. I've got a few things lined up. It's most mostly Christmas, but it's also the pictures that we've touched upon, those pictures that feel like Christmas films because they're at a certain level. They may have a bit of violence, but they're not too violent, and it's somewhat unrealistic. There may be some sexy scenes, but it's not basic instinct. And it's generally like maybe 12 or 15 rated, something everyone can enjoy, talk over, do the lines if they're so disposed. You can eat a mince pie and get drunk to it and really not miss that much because you've seen it 17 times before. That's a that's a Christmas movie for me. Yes, Die Hard, and I do like It's a Wonderful Life is perfect too. But there's others out there like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on this journey, everyone. And uh, if th- th- we will be recording again, we will be publishing again. So we know that we're not going to be right on top of Christmas right now. But but it is the season, so Merry Christmas indeed. And uh, hopefully you catch a good uh, premiere or two this this year. I don't even know what the premieres are this year. I need no, to but I think it's, it's, it seems to have pivoted into, you know, there'll be the big episode of Doctor Who. I mean, in our day, the big episode of Doctor Who was the Paul McGann movie with yeah. Eric Roberts. Yeah. But I, I yeah. think it's the adaptations and maybe the final of the X Factor. But look out for... 
Look out for on BBC4, and Film 4 especially. I hope that they'll be showing some weird stuff. And as Luke says, Merry Christmas and a Frohe Weihnachten if we don't see you before then. Yeah, thanks very much, everyone. And go to onesensationalshot.com. Uh, do get in touch with us there. Uh, please do leave us a review on iTunes. And, of course, you can tweet us at One Sensational. And, of course, search Facebook for One Sensational Shot. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you for being with us tonight. We hope we added to the pleasure of your Boxing Day. And now, from all of us here on BBC Two, may I wish you a very good night. Good night to you. <laughs>